Hello and welcome to the Red Robin pre-season mini-pod with me, Chris Johnson. And of course, we are powered by 360 Chartered Accountant and Budget Ties Auto Centre. The mini-pod will give you an overview of all the latest goings on at Hull Kingston Rovers in the build-up to our first Super League campaign under Willie Peters. With us also casting an eye over Rugby League in general and the Rugby League World Cup. Each mini-pod will see me joined by a member of the Red Robin Podcast fans panel, with our first panel member to join me being Graham Turner. Uh, how are we doing, Graham? You OK, mate? Um, very well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, fantastic to be here on this very first mini-pod. What an honour. Yeah, obviously, uh, no stranger to the podcast, but um, you've made a, a super effort joining us live from Spain. So I, I was Spanish Hull Kingston Rovers correspondent. I appreciate you taking the time to join us and... Of course, it's Willie Peters' first first proper week in the job. Um, he's been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, hasn't he? I mean, he's he, he must have been the busiest man in the world doing his, his full-time job in Newcastle, um, whilst also, you know, getting ahead of the game at Hull Kingston Rovers. But he's, he looks like he's got his feet under the table now. And, you know, if you read the, the sound bites, the interviews, etc., what he's saying, all the right things, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and I think we've well, obviously we've known for for a good few months now. I think it was about May that the news broke that that Peters was coming. So we, we've known he's coming, and, and we've seen over that time where he's been with Newcastle that he's been doing his homework. He's been in contact with Maguire, with the players, etc., setting out this stall early, which I think is hopefully will stand him in good stead now that he's actually here. Um, and a lot of that background work that that he would have ordinarily needed to do on these players and start his recruitment has already been done to an extent. And those can be sometimes quite hard yards for new coaches coming across and, and coming over. So, so to have that in the bag already, I think, is a really positive. So now when it gets to, to the stage we're at now of approaching pre-season in a couple of weeks, he, he's done all that. He doesn't need to get to know the club itself. He, he doesn't need to know the area. He doesn't need to know the place. He can just hit the ground running with a, a really strong, what I hope is a really strong pre-season for everybody. Set out the ground rules for for him, what he expects of the players, what those players can expect of him, our season ambitions, etc. So I think, I think, I'm hoping, I'm really positive that we're in a really good, strong place now with the recruitment done. Seems to be a good breed of player that uh, that is is focused on, and like you said, the, the sound bites that have come out so far. Yes, our sound bites and the, you know the, the what fans want to hear uh, effectively, um, but it does when you sort of read into the detail, it does sound like. Is very thorough and what he's done, he's got a good, clear plan that he wants to work to and that he's expecting everybody to jump on board. And if not, well, I think if you probably read the same same article that I did, um, is he sort of said that we don't want those type of players if they're not on board with what we do. Yeah, and um, one of the real positives for me is that he's come over with his family. Um, he's obviously here on a free contract. He's come here, um, you know, to, to really buy into the into the projects, what's been been um, set for him and his family being here is going to play a huge role in helping him settle down. Um, you know, and we've seen you know in the past where players, coaches have come over on their own and they've struggled to settle in because they don't have that release maybe away from rugby league. Um, but again, when when the players come back to training, uh, the schedules come back on the twenty fourth of October. Um, of course, that's the players who are uh, not involved in the in the rugby league World Cup. So there's going to be a healthy number of players back on the twenty fourth. Um, they're not really going to be strangers to him, are they? Because he, he's spoke to the vast, well, probably every member of the squad already, especially our new signings. And it's really important, isn't it, that we we 
get the players in early, especially our overseas recruits. And we, we get into training early because we've seen far too often in the past where we've had a bit of a disjointed pre-season because our imports have come over late. They've not been uh, been able to to get to know the, the new players that they're, they're joining and they've not been able to get into the almost into that training training regime, but they're going to be doing it early, 24th October. It's a, it's an early start to pre-season. It, it, it is, and I think, I think you're spot on there because we've had it in the past where even players living in this country coming across to, to join us at East Hull didn't relocate and travelled in you know significant distances and found that cha- a challenge without the family. So I think the point about Willie Peters coming and embedding himself into the community with his family is a, is a really strong positive sign that he's, he's you know he's here to to stay um, for that you know hopefully that three year period initially uh, and, and beyond if, if things go well. But without that family, you, you haven't got that direct as you say that release away from rugby when you do need that bit of downtime and you do need that bit of normality in your life. Uh, your family can bring you that, so it just keeps you you know keeps you grounded even if it's just a trip to the park or a trip to the shops or whatever it's just a bit away from the pressure of the results of rugby league for a while so i think that's a really positive and again the players having them all together or as many of them together as possible it will help us talk very well about the, the sort of uh, resilience that he's looking to create and with only half a squad knocking around it's very hard to do that and people coming in in dribs and drabs it's going to be very difficult to do that so I think with the vast majority of the squad over here, early doors from day one, um, that's going to really help that that position. And everybody's going to be at the same stage of pre-season, fitness, testing, etc. And that those bonds can start to be formed and that resilience can start to be created. Whereas if, if you've got three quarters of the squad here and then you're just parachuting people and drip feeding them in, they haven't experienced all that togetherness that, that there's been in pre-season, which is where... A lot, of, you know, the vast majority of work for the season is, is done. You don't necessarily get too much fitter and stronger during the season. That's just a case of, of managing managing your fitness levels, and it, it's this work and this time now that I think is really important. This this sort of eight twelve week block, whatever they're going to do, um, leading up to, to to February, then that that for me is where some of, some of the real work groundwork is done for the season, and that effectively could could determine how well or not your season may go. Yeah, and it's been interesting reading about his plans for pre-season. One of the elements of the pre-season is that the the Robins are going to Tenerife on a 10-day warm weather camp. This was planned prior to Willie Peters taking the job, but he's definitely in favour of it, and I think he's relishing the chance to to get some sun on the backs and, and, you know, unite and, and knit that bond, that group of players together. Um, but he's also said about there'll be no breaks in in training during during winter if the weather's tough and it, it's snowing, it's raining out there. Then players will be in training. There's no breaks for them. And you know, in in one respect, he's coming across very authoritarian. You know, when you listen to the sound bites, he's very much telling this is what we're going to lay out. But I think he he's definitely got a softer side to him, and you can tell that by um, you know our new signings when they comment on what influence Willie Peters has had on them that. He seems to be someone who's commanding the respect of the players straight away. And what's really impressive for me is the coaching group that we've got now. So if you look at Danny Maguire, Brett Delaney, Dave Hodgson, Willie Peters, it's a really strong group of coaches there. And Danny Maguire is going to have a, a huge role to play. Um, he knows this group inside out now. 
and he, he's fully on board with it. He's, he's committed to being the assistant. You know, when he signed that free contract, for me, that was a real that was a real statement of intent for him that he's not looking for a head coach role and, and he, he's committed to the club and he's committed to the assistant role. And I think that that group of coaches is a real plus for us going forward. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stability there with Maguire and, and uh, Hodgson in there in terms of they've you know, been knocking around for a, a good few years now. They know the playing group inside out. And they've got the respect of that playing group, I think. And the late addition last season of Delaney, I think, hopefully will will add some strength uh, to that to that coaching group as well. Uh, I think the the um, the trip to Tenerife will be good. I've, I can vouch for the uh, the bit of winter sun on your back. Uh, currently sat here in Spain, and it's twenty one degrees and bright sunshine. So, um, so yeah, I'll definitely vouch for that. And I'm not sure how much snow they've had in Tenerife lately, but uh, I can't imagine it being too much. But yeah, that that again, just a trip away, just to really focus the mind on on the goals for the season. You've seen it, at, um, yeah, I guess, through football. You see it, but it's more of a commercial aspect, whether trips to the Far East and and, and uh, the Americas and the like. But but certainly for this, I think a trip to Tenerife for ten days certainly beats Brid Beach um, when uh, when they went there a few years ago and it was lashing down. But um, but yeah, I think that that work that they can do collectively and, and sort of almost cocoon themselves away from from everything for a really intense, solid block of training. Really get to know each other. Really get to set the, the tone and the goals for the uh, the season. And I think with uh, I sort of picked up on the fact that Hodgson's got a bit more of a dual role, uh, not just with the first team but with the reserve grade as well, mm. which again I think is a is a good move in in terms of in a direct link. For for Willie Peters to the reserve grade with David Hodgson, and being able to you know comment firsthand on those players that are looking to push up or that have been pushed down from the first team and how they're actually performing, etc. So I think that's a good way of him keeping an eye on on all players. You know, he's got a, a good quality squad there. There's not everybody going to be playing in the in the 17 jerseys on a match day. So some people are going to be naturally disappointed, but they need to be kept fresh, kept hungry and through the reses. Uh, you'd like to think that there's an opportunity to do that. And with, with Hodgson there um, lending a hand as well and keeping an eye on it, you would expect that if, if people were deserving of places, then they'd be able to, to sort of fire up the line and you know recommend to Peters that, that this player uh, was ready for back into the first team fold. Or likewise, some of the, some of the younger players that, uh, that they can push forward as well. Yeah, definitely. What was that pre-season? I think it was Chris Chester where we made him go. There was firefighters at a airport, then they went gardening, and I'm sure it was under Chris Chester that he, a bit of a. I think he was doing it to try and make the players realise, you know, what normal jobs people are doing, and and try and there's groups weren't they going off to? I think there was a, yeah airport firefighters. I think there was a gardening group. I think there was another you know. So, yeah, I mean, but also it shows the investment by the club, doesn't it? I mean, a 10-day camp in Tenerife isn't, isn't cheap. It's going to, so, you know, the club are once again putting in the the, uh, the hand in the pocket to, to back the coach. I know it wasn't Willie Peters who planned this, but, you know, the, it's an, another statement of intent for me that the, they are really um, taking, especially next season, seriously. Um, one player who's come in um, since we did the our end-of-season uh, review is Sam Luckley, um, promising forward. Um, if you listened and read to the, the comments from Salford fans when the club announced his signing and, and he was departing the, the Red Devils, 
sad to see him go. You know, I've, I think we've got a, a really good prospect. And of course, we're going to get the opportunity to see him on Saturday when Scotland take on England B. Um, Kane Lynette going to be lining up for Scotland as well. And they'll be taking on Jez Litton and Mikey Lewis. But Sam Luckley, um, another promising, you know, he's not the, the finished article by any means, but another promising signing for the Robins. Yeah, read those comments as well from the Salford fans that the majority were very disappointed that, that it left and they felt that they had a prospect on their hands and it could have gone on to do good things with them. But again, does that does that show where we're at in terms of a club and the, the standing that we have if you know Salford have been playing well this season, obviously making playoffs, grand final appearances, etc. over the last uh, last few years, does that put us in a good light of, of the nature of standing of, of us as a club if it's prepared to to leave um you know what was a good Salford side last season to, to join us. Is it more about the fact that he's been um promised certain things as in a, a career path um that, that's been laid out for him by by Willie Peters. He's he certainly fits that bill of type of player that that has been uh, actively recruiting over the last four or five months. Um and yeah, again, like you say, a prospect that needs looking after, like like quite a few in the, in the squad now. Uh, but given half a chance, I think first time really took notice of him was at Magic Weekend um, with his Alan Shearer celebration. So let's <laughs> let's hope for a few of those um, type of celebrations uh, in the red and white next season. Yeah, plenty more sound bites to come from Willie Peters, no doubt. I know Joe Apley has done a great job. Uh, covering his first week at the club. So be interesting to see what else comes out from there. Um, we've also had the announcement of a new kit. Um, although uh, they've also announced that all the new kits have been nicked. Um, if anyone's not seen that, the um, our kit suppliers have had a robbery and uh, Hulkington Rovers, Leeds Rhinos, Huddersfield Giants and I think Castleford Tigers are all affected because they've had a lot of new merchandise nicked. So... Um, if you see someone walking down Oldness Road and they've got the new shirt on, uh, you can pretty much guess where it's come from because the shirts weren't supposed to be with us until December. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to to see if we do spot anyone uh, wearing one. You think it, Graham? It's a bit of a limited market, isn't it, when you, you start nicking rugby league gear from where you can sell it? I can't imagine it going overseas and being sold uh, you know, to the Asian market or, or anywhere else. Yeah, it's not a very lucrative market, is it? Really, it's only got a limited shelf life and a limited audience to, to to aim for there. So, not quite sure how that's happened. I'm sure there's a there's a few red faces um, uh, knocking around, but yeah, like you say, it's it it's one of them where from a from a club perspective, it's really disappointing because there's obviously fans hard earned cash paying for those shirts that um, that you know some might be disappointed they're not going to get them. Um, on the date of uh, of date of issue, because of you know, unfortunately, some somebody or some people have decided to you know to, to do a job on the uh, on the factory and uh, and take them for themselves. So. Yeah, and the thing as well is, mate, it's um, money out the club, isn't it? It's, it you yeah. know, if someone's buying a knockoff one, they're not buying the one from the club, so the money's not going to the club, and it's you know, finances are tight. The club needs the money to invest in blah blah. But anyway, that's. Now to with us anyway. So the kit, if you um if you watch it, if you listen to it on the podcast, I'm just putting it on screen now. Um if obviously you're watching it on YouTube, you can see it in all its glory. Um a lot of positive reaction to this shirt. Um it's mainly red front with white sleeves, a white trim collar, v-neck collar. Um 
it looks pretty smart. Um, I'm not, I'm not overawed by it, Graham. I mean, you know, I think it's all right. You know, I'm a maybe a bit more of a Rover traditionalist. I like the predominantly white kits with red bands and and um, them kind of shirts. But obviously, when the club rebranded uh, with the um, going predominantly Hull KR, bringing in the the change of the badge, red is the predominant colour now for the club, and you can understand why they're going down this route with the with the new kit. Yeah, like you, I'm a bit of a traditionalist as well. When I first saw it, I was a little little bit um, unsure as to whether it was it, it sort of grabbed my attention or not. And I, if I'm honest, I thought it looked a lot like a more of a training kit than, mm. uh, than a match play shirt. Um, but I think it's grown on me a little bit. Um, like you say, the, the, the predominantly red is, is part of the rebranding exercise, um, etc. And I'm sure, like like we always do, the, the fans will, will buy into it. Um, Hopefully from the club shop and not not down Holness Road. Um, from a man, a man Walton Street meeting. Market. He'll be doing a yeah, rock. Well, we'll we better check Walton Street Market this Sunday yeah. or whenever it's on. Um, see what's going around there. But yeah, I think it, like like with all um, clubs nowadays, that the commercial income generated from shirt sales, uh, merchandise, etc., is is huge to the, to underpinning some of the some of the backroom work that goes on with the club. It's it's. You know, it might only be a T-shirt, but it will contribute towards something that goes on within the club that has a cost attached to it. So, you know, I encourage all fans to to not buy the knockoff stuff if they get offered it and, and go through the official club routes. But, but yeah, I think the shirt itself is, it's it's red and white, and it? it's, there's not a right lot you can do with them, I don't think, nowadays. We've, we've had so many iterations over the, over the years, as of all clubs, that it, it's very hard to come up with something new. I think you'll always get like we both said there were quite traditional in our views, but I'm sure as the season goes on and if it brings us good luck in, in terms of results, then I don't think we'll mind it whatsoever. No, one hundred percent. And um, you know, if you saw the away kit and the the third kit, the boilermaker kit last season, you can see the thought that went into them. So I'm looking forward to see what additions we have for, for next season. Head over to Hulk AR Shirts with Mikey Carter for a, a bit more of an in-depth analysis of the shirt. Uh, really interesting to, to get his views. Um, and also you can check out um, his shirt collection there. So a really useful tool. Um, IMG, Graham, the proposals mm -hmm. that have been put forward, of course, the RFL brought them in to give their thoughts and, and ideas on how they can rejuvenate the game. They did a, a huge survey, uh, I think 18,000 people, including all key stakeholders in the game, contributed to it. Um, I must say that when I saw the proposals, I was a little bit underwhelmed. Um, underwhelmed in the fact that the RFL have brought in a company to to put their stamp on the game and their ideas, and they look very much like ideas that the governing body should be coming up with It. it on their own, you know, and, and I think that's what disappointed really, you know, the, the key points were uh, a return to a, a license system. So the potential to remove relegation and promotion, you'd be, uh, clubs would be granted a, a grade A or grade B license. Um, the removal of Magic Weekend as a, as a concept, um, trying to realign the international calendar uh, to re to bring in uh, more international fixtures. Um, yeah, it just seemed a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit bland, really, Graham. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, first and foremost, it's a twelve-year deal they've got, isn't mm. it? To, to, to re so that that's that's a long-term um, issue for me. So, I think if 
if they came in and absolutely ripped the game apart and, and sold us a new product and we had to do it, I think there'd be an absolute uproar. So I'd like to think it's more about longevity for everybody in terms of the way that the, the structuring, the, the licenses, for want of a better phrase, um, to deliver that that uh, sustainability for the clubs, uh, allow for investment to come into the clubs where it's much needed. It's not a rich sport, isn't rugby league, so allowing clubs to be masters of their own destiny. And I, I think some of the things reading through that the headline bits are, are around that, that we as fans, we want to see, we, we, we don't necessarily um, see it as our priority but as, a, as a pure fan, but for the absolute longevity of the game, it's absolutely essential that, that that those opportunities are in there. I think some of the tweaks um, have been based on, you know, feedback. And I, I think without, I don't think they've come out and explicitly said it, but player welfare has to be um, mentioned as well uh, in terms of what we ask or what, what is asked of the players nowadays and the number of games and, and managing them. Um, and we've seen it ourselves with with injuries last season and with all the concussion knocks, etc. Player welfare has to be um thought through as well. I think one of the interesting bits for me, and I don't know whether it was just my perception of it, I'd be interested to get your thoughts are that they pushed it out to a lot of uh, fans and it was heavily um, marketed to, to say, give us your views. And then the closing date happened and there was a very, very quick turnaround to the results being published. And mm. I just didn't know whether that was really an exercise that was already done and dusted. And it was just more of a tokenistic gesture mm. that the fans had had their say, but really we've only had a few days to analyse the results. And if there were that many re, you know, replies or, or communications from fans, surely it had took a, quite a long, you know, a lot of time to, to analyse those and factor those into some of the proposals. But the actual report came out quite quickly afterward. And I just wonder if a lot of it was decided with the custodians of the game, the club chairmen, the CEOs, etc. And this was more of a, well, we've consulted the fans and this, you know, we, we've done it as an exercise rather than it be a building block of, of, of real, um, uh, you know, catalyst for change that, that we're looking for. So, but as you can imagine, with all those replies, you'll get some absolute head the balls, will come up with some ridiculous yeah. solutions in there that, that they're not worth you know, considering anyway. So, so yeah, I just didn't know whether that was just me. I don't know whether you had any thoughts on that. I think I think the one thing that rugby league really lacks is a voice, is the voice of supporters. So if you look at football, obviously you have the Football Supporters Federation, which then incorporates supporters group from various all the clubs in the country, etc. You know, so there's there's an opportunity there for for the governing body to liaise with a, a represent representative of the fans in football. Rugby league doesn't have that, so. You know, when you cast, when you put out a survey and you get, you know, eighteen thousand responses, etc., you've got such a varied range of opinions and views and ideas that it's very hard to then put that into any kind of uh, real outcome, isn't it? Because you've got, like you said, you've got such a variation there. So I think going forward, there needs to be some kind of representation of the supporters. You know, the players have got the, the sort of the players' union who, who can vet, you know, put across their opinions. The clubs have got their. Um, their opportunity, but fans seem to be the fans seem to be the ones who were told what's going to happen, rather than the ones who were helping steer where the game's going. And I, I agree with you. I think it's pretty much already been the proposals were already sort of on the paper before this this survey was put out. Um, what do you think about some just, of the just, just, just jumping back to that point? Do you know, like if 
we're talking about fans having voices. Is it is it like you as a member of your community uh, and your MP represents you at, at the Houses of Parliament? Now, we might live next door and the same MP might represent us both, but as I might have an opinion that's that's contra to yours, how does that MP represent our opinion at that? Mm. You know, and is it is it that same scenario where if you had fans and, and a representative of the fans, would there be so many fans who would be wanting the magic weekend and so many fans who don't want the magic weekend? Mm. Would there be so many who want the loop fixtures and who don't want the loop fixtures, who want promotion relegation? So so again, I, I think it's really difficult to get one voice for for the club when there's you know, we get what, seven thousand as a as a, as a home game, if you you know if you take that seven thousand opinions and and try and put it as one voice from the club, I think it's really difficult to to do that. Yeah, but at some point you need there needs to be an avenue for support. So whether it's a, a one person, one group as a as a representative, or whether it's that one person who who is tasked with collating the views to then take forward. You know, mm. I, I just think that you know. The supporters are often left behind when it comes to these these key decisions and these key key ideas, etc. And and you know, for me, the 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 clubs in rugby league, especially the low league clubs, have too much say on what's happening with the top end of the game. So these proposals are going to get voted on by the Super League, Championship, and League One clubs. So in theory, West Wales Raiders have the same voting power of Hull Kingston Rovers. You know how when. We're talking about, and this is what disappointed me about the IMG proposals, is that for me they needed to be much more focused on how we're going to improve the top, the top tier, which really drives the funding, which brings in the money. How are we going to improve that so that we can cascade it down the game? Whereas at the moment, you know, a licensing system, etc., um, are, are York going to be in favour of it if they know that they're forever going to be a group, a, a, a B licensed side, and they're never going to be able to achieve it? Except so I think for me that the, the how the voting system works probably needs changing because in theory twelve Super League teams can be outvoted now by the rest of the RFL and uh, the rest of the clubs on these proposals etc. And, and don't quite sit right with me when it's the Super League clubs or the Super League as an entity which is really bringing in the funding for the game. Yeah, that's a fair point. No, I would agree with that as well. Yeah, a bit. And uh, if we move on. Ralph Rimmer, Eddie Hemmings not really covering themselves in glory at the moment with their with their comments. Uh, Eddie Hemmings um, questioning whether uh, I think it was Dom Young, was it whether he's a, a really English player or not? And Ralph Rimmer with his comments about uh, the Fijians, um, whether they've been they haven't been arrested yet. And it's just in the build up to a World Cup, it's a bit crass, isn't it? And it's a bit just not needed, especially the Eddie Hemmings one when he's interviewing the the England head coach. Yeah, it's it's poor form, isn't it? I think you know it, it's it's talking about the game in the wrong way. It's a World Cup event. You want to be talking about the, the, the you know the building up to the fixtures. We're just getting to that point now of getting ready, and you don't want to be talking about poor poor taste remarks like that. I mean, there's, there's obviously no place uh, no place for it, and you would expect um, experienced people in the game to probably know a bit better than than they've shown themselves up to there. Yeah, I think um, probably time to put out to pasture now. And uh, yeah. good night, Vienna. Um, yeah. Very quickly, we've got a couple of minutes left, Graham. The yeah. Rugby League World Cup, you're, you're looking forward to it? 
Yeah, I think it's a nice little interlude between um, the end of the season and the start of the new season. It's just a nice way of, of bridging that gap. Um, the you know, the, the, there's obviously uh, England Knights action as well, uh, which you which you mentioned around tomorrow. I'm almost watching through through one eye, um, just hoping that Jez and, and Mikey don't get any knocks tomorrow um, that, that put them back from uh, having a, a great season with us. And, and likewise, with Kingy, Frankie Halton, Lewis Senior, uh, etc., that the ones that are representing their countries absolutely brilliant for them to 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 you know have that honor of, of being at a world cup with their country and especially kingy being captain of ireland as well uh what an honor that is i just hope that they all represent themselves the club and i guess many rovers fans will will have uh ireland down as a, as a bit of a second team perhaps um given the connections we've got there and you just hope that they have a great tournament themselves um, uh, as a reward for the hard work they've put in this season. But please don't get injured, lads. Please yeah. don't come back with any knocks that are going to keep you out and we want you back fully fit, fresh and ready to go for us come, come February. Yeah, and it is going to be very interesting to see how Willie Peters manages these returning players, whether they're going to get chucked straight into pre-season, whether they're going to get an extra a bit of a break uh, when they return, how he manages the game time at the start of the season, whether they're going to be phased in uh, because in, in reality, other than a couple of weeks, um, they won't have had much of a break at all from rugby league. And, you know, it's such a physical demanding sport, especially players like George King, Sam Luckley, you know, they're going to need a break because they're going to be really important in the engine room. Uh, before we sign off, congratulations to Matty Parcell, recently got married. Uh, I know a few of the Rovers players are out uh, for that. And Graham, thank you very much for joining us on the first uh, pre-season mini pod um, there's going to be uh, hopefully on a weekly basis as things happen you know it's a club at the moment Graham where there's lots of things happening isn't there it is and we, we said at the back end of the season well that's it we can down tools for a few weeks now it'll all go quiet and nope we've got a, a few pages of topic areas to cover and yeah so I think these will be good good ways of um chatting rugby league each week and um, like I say, getting different thoughts and opinions of people. I'm sure as the weeks go by, there'll be other stuff that crops up as it, as it usually does with Hulk Air. Yes, huge thank you to everybody who's tuning on YouTube and if you're listening on uh, podcasts, thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's edition. The Red Robin podcast pre-season mini-pod is powered by 360 Chartered Accountant and Budget Tires Auto Centre. And for now, live, love, laugh and be happy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.